You're listening to Remotely One, a podcast that educates, entertains, and inspires you to take your life back from the office commute. I'm Rick, a former beer rep who left the warehouse to become a voice actor and digital creator. And I'm Colleen, a remote work advocate and consultant. We're going to speak with some of the top professionals who have managed to avoid the commute as they share stories from the most inspiring to the most comical, all while working remotely. Man, this sounds awesome. Let's clock in. Hello, I am Dietra Giles from Atlanta, Georgia, and I am here at Citizens M at the ReLead Summit. Welcome. Thank you. Thank Welcome. you. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yes. Yes. So we are talking about DEI specifically. That was your topic for today. And my first question kind of revolves around the historically marginalized communities. How do they get, like, I don't want to say FaceTime, but kind of like one-on-one in a remote setting when they're more challenged to get that setting? How does remote work impact that? So let's back up just a little bit. So what typically happens in a face a face to face environment, or what people will call a traditional environment, mm-hmm. we hope that that word traditional is changing because we're yes. hoping this will be the new traditional, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But in those traditional environments, these populations are historically overlooked. And I'll give you a great example. They had an older employee. Um, uh, from a population that people will historically not think of as marginalized, but he was an older white male close to retirement. And he said, in the office, people already overlook me because I'm. they call me old and they think I'm on my way out. Wow. And now that we're going home, I'm for certain going to be overlooked, right? Wow. And so his concern was they already think I'm not technology savvy. What they say behind my back is, hey, boomer, all these things, you know, that he felt overlooked in the office. And now we're going home. I know I'm going to be overlooked. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about populations like that are people who are differently abled or the single parent who beforehand didn't get quite noticed because the go in early crowd that everyone saw because of proximity. Mm -hmm. Wait, I have to be there when the bus comes to pick up my kid. Right. And so now that shifts when they go home. So one of the things I tell people in this population, I look at it two ways. First of all, on the leader side, what should the leader be doing to make sure these people get equitable face time? Mm -hmm. One, they have to be intentional. Mm -hmm. Right. They get to stop and say, I used to walk around to people and not really gauge my interactions because I walked in and said, good morning, how are you? So I've interacted with everyone Mm -hmm. and not realizing that that wasn't really a deep interaction and you have different levels of interaction with different people, right? So now they get to say, you know what, now that I'm on screen, I realize based on screen time, I've talked to you two minutes Mm -hmm. and I've talked to you 30 minutes. And so they can begin to monitor that, first of all. The second thing is being intentional about what those interactions mean. So what am I talking to you about? Are we just talking about the kids T-ball or are we actually talking about your career trajectory on the team and in this company? Mm. So what kind of conversations are we having now on the employee side? I tell them to lean into what people often tell them not to lean into. Mm -hmm. These marginalized communities have been told and the way they've been raised is, If you work really hard, everyone will notice and you will get promoted. Mm -hmm. Now, what we know is that's a part of the promotion process, but that's not even the biggest part. It's how do you begin to network, right? But now in this remote work environment, 
That is so important because I can't measure you on our relationship at work. I'm actually now measuring you on productivity. And so lean in and be the best at what you do. Lean into that and say, you know what? I know my numbers speak for me, but know what your numbers are. So the second part of this is initiating those conversations intentionally. Who do I need in my board of executives for my career to help me move forward? Who do I need as a mentor, an advocate, a sponsor? And being intentional about those relationships with those numbers that you have. Hey, I need you as a mentor because I know that you are leading that team that I eventually want to be on. Mm -hmm. I need you as an advocate because I know that you're in the rooms with the people that I need hearing my name. And so now I can be even more intentional about building certain relationships and navigating how I do that. And so one of the things I talked about I do on my team is we have team lunches or still have lunches and it's a shock to them. But when I schedule my one-on-one, I know my people, I know their favorite meal. But if I'm meeting with a person that as a potential mentor, Mm -hmm. I may say, hey, let's meet at this time. And I have a Starbucks coffee delivered or I have a small lunch delivered. And that's that extra thing, which leads to the last part, which is it's never was proximity when we talk about that FaceTime. It was sentiment. And so when we add the sentiment back into it and not concern ourselves about the proximity, it changes how I get that FaceTime. So if we start to go down these things that we can do differently, people in this marginalized group who have been trained differently about how to network and advance their career by just working hard, if we add these other elements, it can actually work well for them in these environments. Hmm. Wow. So, you know, I I never really thought of the idea of because we're remote, you're able to now see and track much easier who you've met and who you've talked to. Yeah. That's really fascinating because something you said earlier in an earlier discussion before people would be like, oh, yeah, I talked I talked to Dietra. I talked to the other day. Well, I just walked by and said hi. But then, mm-hmm. you know, I talked to Rick and we talked for 20 minutes on this new project. Mm-hmm. That's a major difference in the relationship right there. So. Something that I've we haven't really talked about in regards to being present because we use the word FaceTime and maybe that's not the best word. But what are your thoughts on the idea of being like digitally present? Because there's other ways to be seen. Oh, right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you don't respond in Teams ever or Slack ever, you're not being seen because that's a way to be seen in the digital space. If you're hopping on Zoom calls and, you know, maybe you're personal home space is not as cleanly or set up the way it should be, but you're always cameras off. So can we talk a little bit about like the importance of underrepresented groups being seen, not necessarily in person, but being seen digitally? Absolutely. So I look at this in so many different ways. One is one of the reasons why we're at Citizens in for the um, Release Summit is that we have to think about third spaces. Because one Mm. of the things you talked about is maybe people don't want their home seen. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. not camera ready. You know, we even think about ourselves. Like I get my makeup on, get dressed Mm -hmm. up. And from Mm -hmm. the neck up, I said, we're going to bring back doilies. (laughs) 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 I'm fly from right here on up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Um, how I But I have to get camera ready. But we often don't think about our environment being camera ready Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. on where we are. And that can be based on socioeconomic status, right? My place may be fine, but based on what I'm seeing, everybody else has it fully decked out Mm -hmm. with the walls and things. And I'm like, eh, I Mm -hmm. got this little flat 
you know, off-white stucco behind me. I don't want that scene. So these third spaces are so important. The other piece of that, exactly what you said, is you need to be seen digitally. And that could be replying in Slack. But if you can turn your camera on, but not just about being visually seen, but being expertly seen. And what I mean by that is showing up in social media, places like LinkedIn, where you can easily become an expert or a Mm -hmm. thought leader. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is your company able to see you as that thought leader? And people people take for granted a simple post, a weekly post on LinkedIn about what's going on in the world based on your area of expertise is a game changer. All right. of us are here because we met on LinkedIn. Mm. Right. You, you know what I'm saying? And I, you hear that? We all connected first on LinkedIn. Now we're all here hugging and loving. Right. And I tell people all the time, especially when I'm coaching these career professionals, they will say, why should I be on LinkedIn? I'm not looking for a job. And I'm like, well, what if a job is looking for you? Yeah. Mm. And you're mm. not visually present. I have, I've had my company since Executive Prep since 2007. But every job I had before that, and I was at some major jobs, I never applied for Someone found me on LinkedIn, not every job, like I was at the last two major jobs. Someone found me on LinkedIn Mm -hmm. and said, hey, we think you'd be great for this. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested? You weren't looking. They were looking for you. I was happy. Right. (laughs) And so being present is more than just turning your camera on. It's about being expertly present. Wow. I like that. Expertly present. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I love the concept of being present. I'm wondering, are there resources for team leaders, management, whoever, to kind of train them to be in that mindset of being present for the employees, whether they're remote or not remote, especially some of the underserved communities and trying to bring them up a little bit? So, you know, what makes me happy right now is that people are starting to really embrace this coaching concept. Mm -hmm. It used to be something that was either poo-pooed. I used to, back in the day, I'm, I'm, I've been in this for a long, long time. And I used to tell people that coaching was like a spanks for women. Like every woman had a pair, but no one wanted these people to know they had a pair. Like, spanks. Like, it. Spanks it, was like, for women. it was like that girdle, like everyone pretend like they weren't wearing one, but everyone was. Oh, and so all, somewhere in spanks right now. Right? And so all the top leaders had a coach, but no one talked about it. Right. And so the right. good thing now is that coaching is becoming a big thing and it's starting to trickle down throughout the organization. And so what we're doing is we're catching people before they come horrible senior leaders and saying, you know what? This new leader who's their first time leading people is getting a coach. Mm. And I think the more that we do things like that and make it a coaching culture, and it's not just having a coach, yeah. it's actually leaders are coaches. Mm-hmm. And so we're teaching leaders, real leaders, not just managers and supervisors, mm-hmm. how to actually coach their employees to top performance. I think that idea is changing. So as coaching becomes more part of the culture, mm-hmm. I think we'll see that change. The flip side is us making sure that this is not the new sexy thing. And so we have people that call themselves coaches, but they're not effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And making sure that we as organizations vet those people who Mm. are coming in and we're bringing them in and calling them coaches. Something that hit me when we were talking about earlier was this idea of what are the new leadership traits? Mm -hmm. What's really important as managers? And I didn't jump in and say this, but we're talking about... um, uh, emotional intelligence, right? Psychological safety. But there's this term, actually, uh, it was Mr. Hampton Clarkson, my brother, brought this to me years ago. He's like, uh, how can we move towards a counseling culture? 
this idea of leaders mm-hmm. being counselors. Mm-hmm. We don't, I don't need to manage you on your work. We've already got all the KPIs to figure out whether you get your numbers or not. Mm-hmm. So that's whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, how are you doing? Yeah. How can I help you? Yeah. yeah. Where do you need to go? I'm yeah. a counselor. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I never thought of that. Like, you're right. Managers are now counselors. But so, here's the problem. People don't know how to manage things they've never been taught to deal with. Right. True. And so what I mean by that is one of the things I teach and you know about my dare model where I teach people how to have these tough DEI conversations. Mm -hmm. And what I talk about in there is it's not that people don't want to talk about diversity, equity, inclusion is that they don't have the conversational competence to navigate a conversation where there may be disagreement. Mm -hmm. And so what we do is just say we don't do that. So Mm -hmm. we don't do feelings here, but you do. Because you have people at work you don't like. That's a feeling. That is a feeling. You have you want to be promoted because you will feel better. That's a feeling. You want to make more money because it will make your life easier. That's a feeling. Mm. So we do feelings. We just aren't comfortable with certain feelings. Sure. And what we have to start doing is saying, hey, I'm going to teach you how to navigate those things that you don't know how to deal with, which is my employee's child is going through cancer treatment and asking them, are you OK? Mm. Wow. Right. Long overdue. How do I deal with that? Because Mm -hmm. no one's ever taught me Mm -hmm. how to deal with asking a mom that and having her break down in my office. Mm. So what do I do? I avoid the conversation. Now she feels like I have a leader that doesn't care about me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? So how about those projections, Deetra? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Here's a tissue for your eyes. Sorry about your kid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Are you coming looking down and I know like, you know what? Maybe I should say, do you need to go home today? Yeah. We yeah. can cover you. Yeah. But I've never been taught to deal with it. And uh-huh. I'm not a counselor. This is not a place for feelings. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so did you get that done? It's okay. Instead of saying... It's probably tough for you right now. We're going to spread this out. Just go home today. We say, I'll give you an extra day. Just get it to me tomorrow. Wow. Jeez. Right? Well, you know, it kind of ties into something that I've long been hearing is that people don't leave jobs because of the job itself. They leave the job because of bad leadership. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I've been in HR for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, I've been in situations where people have literally left the company for $5 more per year. Mm-hmm. You did not leave the company. You left a person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and mm-hmm. so what we're doing. Oh, they're, they're making more money. Yeah. $5 yeah. in all year. Like what? Because well, I mean, it's, <laughs> HR is small and you're certain leadership. I can just call across like, hey, they're going over there. What are they making? Like $5? Really? That's it per, per pay period? Mm-mm. Year. Right? Yeah, so they're leaving. That. And that's what's happening with these marginalized employees. They're starting to say, I can go somewhere that values me. That values my input. And so what people recognize is they're losing great talent that they've invested in. Mm-hmm. And what happened was because it was that proximity thing. Now that they're leaving, they realize, wait a minute, that person was actually doing the work. <laughs> you know what? You liked X. And as a leader, you told me X was killing it. And now that this person's gone, turns out X is a bust. <laughs> yeah, yeah, X wasn't doing the work. Yeah, and Y was. <laughs> We lost a great employee. And that's really how ExecuPrep got into that DEI space because we started working with companies working to optimize their performance. Mm -hmm. And one of these started noticing was, hey, you're looking for external talent. And as we're doing assessment, it's right here. Mm -hmm. Why hasn't this person been promoted? And we started realizing this theme. Hey, we say we come in and optimize the talent you already have. We started realizing, wait a minute, this person over here, 
killing it, mm-hmm. but they're close to retirement. But have you talked to them? Mm-hmm. They have like 50 years left on them. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they know this stuff inside and out. Okay, we're going to hire an external SVP. Why? Yeah, hire this person. Sean, or maybe ask them to be a mentor. Anything. Sean Anything. has been, Sean yeah. knows this inside out right now. You have her as interim Mm -hmm. and she's killing it. The numbers have gone up and you're still going to interview an external person to take the position. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we started realizing, hey, yes, we do this, but we have to help companies with this space because they're looking over these marginalized groups. And this is where the money shot is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. So, Dietrich, I got to this is it. This is the, you know, off the wall question. We ask everybody. This is what we do on our podcast. You know what I mean? We ask them. So tell our viewers and listeners something most people don't know about you outside of work outside of work and we prefer to really embarrass you <laughs> that's what <laughs> i'm looking for okay so i have two that people that may not be so embarrassing one of them is a little bit wacky and crazy oh that's cool that's um, wacky and crazy is awesome so, let's go um i am a trained dancer from the time i was three years old and i oh. used to choreograph on the miss america circuit Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. I used to choreograph like passes. Who did you meet? Things Who did like you that. Meet? Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean. Did you meet? Did you, I mean, you obviously met every single. No, but so I would do like state pageants. So you have to do qualifiers. Okay. Okay. So I'll go to like okay. state pageants and things like that and choreograph. I never actually choreographed the Miss America okay. pageant, but like the, on the circuit. So they have okay. to qualify. So that's one. That's super cool. And here is not, I'll say a crazy fact. I actually had my nose broken in a fight with a 200 pound guy. <laughs> Is he still living? Is he still living? You got your nose. I mean, your nose looks great, first of all. Yes. So, so the great thing was it was a nice, clean fracture. It did not deviate the septum. So the doctor was like, oh, lucky break for you. But I always use that because I tell people everything, the, what we have in our head, our, our brain is what I call a blind organ, which means it fills in the gaps with information without thinking about what else could be there. And this is why I do DEI work, because... The gaps are filled with things that we already think we know and we add to our situation. So immediately everybody's thinking, oh my gosh, what happened? It was it was very innocuous. Um, my husband's a martial artist, so I was trained doesn't, I don't, he won't spar with me, but I love jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so typically, because most women don't do jujitsu, I would have to roll, we call it rolling with the guys, mm-hmm. rolling with the guy who was training, and I was flexible enough as a dancer mm-hmm. to get out of the hole, but too competitive to tap when I should have, but not savvy enough to not catch his elbow in my nose. Oh, yeah, thank so. God. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, I was like, oh, please don't go to the DB zone. <laughs> no, we gotta go find this person that was getting hit awkward. Don't yeah. go to the DB zone, please. No, so it was just something as <laughs> simple as practicing um, jujitsu and guys. You got, tricked us. That was a I know, that was I, a know I know, I know. Everybody's like, oh, this just got awkward. See, back to the stuff we don't know how to talk about. You're like, oh, uh, how I, did I was looking do down this? like, oh, God. And it's on record now. <laughs> 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 keep, keep going, keep going. Where can our viewers find you online? Oh, on Instagram, I am Dietra.Giles. That's D-E-T-H-R-A dot G-I-L-E-S. But all of my employeepreneurs, if you research me, you will find out what an employeepreneur is. Know to find me on LinkedIn as Dietra Giles. And then I also have a podcast called the Happily Ever Employed Podcast. Oh, yeah, nice, yeah, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely check it yeah, out. That's super that's cool. really great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Come back anytime. Yes, I learned a lot from our conversation, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. You've been listening to Remotely One. Visit us at remotelyone.com forward slash podcast for upcoming episodes. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our episodes on your favorite podcast app. Hey, hey, 
Don't forget to clock out.